tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boostbytaxday to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. Escuchas ese rugido. Sientes la experiencia de poder. La emoción de la libertad. Ya estás preparado para vivir tu nueva aventura. Nueva Ram 1500, hecha para vivir. Ram es una marca registrada de FCA US LLC. This is Connect Africa with me, Blessed Sugan. Welcome to our program. We have updates on the elections taking place in Sierra Leone. There had been some um, attack around the opposition's office, and this was because of because they prematurely um, announced um, results, which both parties technically did. And what is the cost of political unrest in the West Africa sub-region? The preponderance of uh, you know uh, illicit activities resulting from easy access. To, to small arms is, is causing a lot of havoc across the region. Five countries, how are you going to work with them? It is one of the few cases where we have the countries themselves agreeing to do it and calling on ECOWAS to act on their behalf. There is a DNA testing, the process of our DNA of our 17 students who were banned beyond recognition. So at the moment, there is some uncertainty. Some of the parents think, hey, is it, uh, uh, is my key part of those that were banned beyond recognition, the 17? Every human being has a right to a livable world. And to secure that livable world, all the rich nations, and all the international financial organizations must transform the standard of doing business. I am in Athalia Kwanza in Takrade, and this is Joy News. Independent, fearless, credible. the side conversation on the International Fund for Public Interest Media. And since then, we've been working closely with IFPIM. I'm happy to announce here today that the Republic of Ghana has entered a partnership with the International Fund for Public Interest Media. And specifically, that partnership, uh, which onboards our contribution in kind, uh, is going to allow the Republic of Ghana to host the Africa regional headquarters of IFPIM, and to support the international staff and the staff of IFPIM uh, will be operating from the Africa Regional Headquarters with the necessary diplomatic courtesies that we extend to international organizations. And uh, while I have the opportunity, let me call on all other states to enter similar partnerships with IFPIM and to execute programs that support uh, public interest media because it is a necessity for democracies to thrive and to flourish. Thanks so much for joining us here on the probe information minister there you just heard him make that big announcement you get to hear it first here on the probe thank you once again let's talk about this particular announcement ahead you make uh, in all the way in france what exactly is it about sir um one of the uh, media support programs that we um run at the ministry of information uh, seeks to uh, mop up or 
bring in global partnerships to support the Ghanaian media. The International Fund for Public Interest Media is one of these um, uh, global partners that we've managed to um, secure to come and set up their Africa regional headquarters in Accra, Ghana, and to support, first of all, African media generally, but also while they are that Ghanaian media as well, uh, for what we call the next stages of um, you know, the media journey. Media has done very well over the years gone by. It's facing a lot of challenges, and it's important that we get some support. So this International Fund for Public Interest Media will provide grants to um, Ghanaian and African media. They also provide technical um, advice to um, media uh, operators and practitioners. They also support the digital transition of a lot of media houses. Today, you know that uh, because of convergence, uh, you can't just talk of television or radio or print or online. It's literally a converged um, arena. So they'll provide a lot of um, you know, digital migration support to some of the uh, media houses, as well as uh, training and capacity enhancement. We're very excited that we can attract this to Ghana to support Ghanaian media. And that's some exciting news there, but how do we get to take advantage of this, especially when we are going to be setting up here in Ghana amongst others, media persons like us, media houses, those watching. How do we get to take advantage of this? We expect to fully open their office in Accra by December, and then uh, they will make announcements and um, invite, you know, Ghanaian media um, that may be interested in tapping into the array of services that they are offering. And you can send your uh, request and applications directly to them, and they will consider it with their independent panels and decide who's getting what grant, uh, who's getting what support for training, who's getting what support for, um, you know, the digital migration uh, programs that they will be running. And when exactly are we hoping for it to take off, you'd say? As I mentioned, we expect to open their um, Accra office uh, by December this year. Okay. And then the expectation is that after that, they are also be open to serve Ghanaian media. Okay. Uh, in addition to this, we are also working to uh, get the Global Media um, Defense Fund um, also to support some of the initiatives uh, in Ghana, particularly towards the safety of journalists. Mm. I see that this week in particular, and the previous weeks, I should say, there's been a lot of um, media engagement, at least a media forum on the part from the information ministry. I've seen a lot of engagement on the front. What exactly is this recent stakeholders, at least the very last one that we saw, um, did we actually meet the specific target? For which reason it was put together? Are there more in the pipeline? What exactly is um, this whole stakeholder forum about? What we did a couple of weeks ago, maybe last week, was a review uh, of our media support programs. You know, the Ministry of Information has a five-part mandate. The first thing we do is that we support the ministries, departments, and agencies so that they can design and execute their communication strategies. Mm -hmm. We are also responsible for mobilizing feedback for governments. Number three is that we are responsible for developing policies and programs to support the public communication ecosystem. And it's under that one that we find our media support programs. And then number four as well, we are also uh, responsible for representation of the state-owned media before parliament. As you know, they are independent, but when they have to go to parliament, a minister has to represent them. And then recently, number five was the implementation of RTI. So under our uh, number three, where we develop policies and programs to support the public communications ecosystem, Mm -hmm. our media support programs were introduced in 2019, about uh, five of them, one of which is this global partnerships that has led to this announcement. Now, about two or three years after that, it's important to review these programs and to see whether they are, you know, achieving their results, where there are gaps, how we can improve upon them. And so we brought all the stakeholders together in that uh, stakeholders forum to examine. Um, And it was an open forum. We didn't hide anything. They gave us good feedback where they thought they were pleased with some of the things we've done. Uh, They told us where they thought uh, they are dissatisfied, they told us. And where they thought that there could be suggestions for improvement, they told us as well. And all of this is culminating in next year's execution of uh, the uh, media support programs. Mm. Are there some specific action plans that um, came out of the stakeholder forum um, that you'd like to highlight? Yes, for example, on the um, media capacity enhancement program, which has done two cohorts and has a third, I think, by December, stakeholders gave us feedback that they want us to alter the model a bit and either focus on a training of trainers so that they can then train other journalists down uh, the stream or specific to media houses. So if a media house requests uh, the University of Communications to come and do it for them, 
we provide the funding, then they go and do it. So that now you have specific media houses that are benefited from it. Those were two bits of advice that came in. On the coordinated mechanism for the safety of journalists, mm-hmm. um, they, you know, um, requested that we deepen the kind of um, collaboration among the various uh, actors in the political ecosystem, parliament, for example, the judicial service, for example, the police in particular. And that's what led to um, the statement that I subsequently delivered uh, in parliament, I think a couple of days um, after that. Um, on the uh, global partnerships, for example, um, they were asking questions like we were asking, how do we open it up so that more can benefit? And we gave the timelines that from December, um, they should see a lot more. And then on the um, working with the regulators to literally ensure that offensive conduct is taken off the airwaves, mm-hmm. um, we shared information that in the first one week after we set up the monitoring center uh, with a call uh, center associated with it, 120 reports have been made by people who are watching um, offensive conduct, money doubling, promotion of ritual murders, um, you know, another um, offensive conduct, advertising of pornography or uh, alcohol at uh, inappropriate hours. 120 uh, reports have been received so far. And they explain that they want to see a lot of transparency in how the NMC and NCA go about uh, making determinations on these um, reports. And we've taken this feedback in good faith and we intend to work with it um, in the coming year. Of course, the issue about safety and the attacks on journalists, at least uh, from the last count, uh, at least about 14 incidents over the period, 17 personalities involved amongst others. I bet this must have come up strongly. And um, in your statement in Parliament, you attributed it to the fact that the police and the judiciary uh, should be largely blamed for no action in particular. But let's talk about safety and um, the issues, the concerns that were raised by these um, stakeholders regarding the attacks on journalists, beyond just blaming the police and the judiciary, what exactly was the action plan they were hoping that we could implement to minimize it? Well, first of all, we are not uh, blaming the police or the judiciary. What we have said is that under the uh, UNESCO framework, you need all of the actors in society playing various roles, Mm -hmm. and you need to hold everybody accountable for their part. Uh, For us as the executive branch and uh, for us as the Ministry of Information, we have led the way in putting this coordinated mechanism together. We have gone to cabinet to get the uh, support of cabinet, and it's been handed over to the National Media Commission to implement, and we've supported the National Media Commission to put up the basic, um, you know, structures that they need to be able to execute it. And then secondly, when an incident occurs, we are uh, quick to ensure that a report is made to the police Mm -hmm. and then also to call it out for what it is worth. Um, Beyond that, the third thing that now needs to happen is that the police need to prosecute these people and the judicial service needs to ensure that there's severe punishment. We have engaged with the judicial service and we have made a strong case for why persons who do this must be severely punished. And we've also engaged with the police to make a similar case and we still have an accountability meeting that the Ghana Police Service and then the Ghana Armed Forces is going to hold with us before the end of this year to give account for all the cases that we have reported to them in times past. But it's also important to then brief Parliament on all that we have done and request Parliament to also play its role. That oversight function um, of the police as well and that engagement with the judicial service. And that's one of the things that we told Parliament about uh, in the week gone by when we uh, went there. And then finally, the part four of that mechanism is that at the end of the year, they have to publish a report that shows what the nation state Ghana is doing about all of this. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, nobody's excited about um, the cases that have come up. We are worried that the trend is actually uh, increasing, and we think that uh, some more severity in terms of punishment will help deter persons who do this. I'm glad you talk about some accountability meeting that will come up before the end of the year, but prior to your presentation to Parliament, I'm sure you've been trying to find some answers, especially uh, some of the popular cases that we're hoping to get answers to, Ahmed Swale, for instance, amongst others. Really, uh, what has been the preliminary findings or talks that you've had with the police, for instance, in terms of where we are with investigations with that particular matter, for instance? I don't want to give a specific answer on that one because we want the police to come and speak for themselves. They are the ones who are handling these investigations. So not just that one. Radio Pena, for example, Radio Adar, 
the recent um, attack of the CTFM journalist, you know, who went to the NDC headquarters, and a few others that we have reported to the uh, police. And we're looking forward to this very open, transparent accountability meeting where the police and then the Ghana Armed Forces. Uh, in the Eastern region, at Shimansai FM, quite recently, there was another incident. We wrote uh, to the Ghana Armed Forces. I called the Chief of Defence Staff. Uh, myself, they sent a team to investigate. So they will be giving all of us an account of how they have handled uh, these matters. And on an annual basis, we expect this accountability to take place so that once people are being punished for this, we expect that then you'll begin to see a decline in these cases. Let's talk about the responsibility of the executive also. We've talked about the responsibility of the legislature, the responsibility of the judiciary. The responsibility of the executive also comes up, especially when we know we have the Minister of Interior, we have uh, the Vice President also leading the Council of the Police, amongst others. Really, uh, in all this, does it look like the executive bears no blame at all when it comes to these issues? Again, I don't think... Los mejores viajes nacen en la carretera, pero este comenzará en tu mente. ¿Escuchas ese rugido? ¿Sientes la experiencia de poder? ¿La emoción de la libertad? Ya estás preparado para vivir tu nueva aventura. Nueva Ram 1500, hecha para vivir. Ram es una marca registrada de FCA US LLC. It's about blame. It's about responsibility. So what is the responsibility of the executive? First, to put in place this mechanism. Secondly, to ensure that matters that take place are quickly and promptly are intervened in and reported to the police. And thirdly, to give the police pressure that finish this investigation without regard to whose ox is God prosecute the people. That becomes the um, responsibility of the uh, executive. In addition to advocacy, like uh, I've been doing on these matters and all of you have been doing, this is the clear responsibility of the executive. We are doing our best to execute that responsibility and to shine the light also on the police investigative and prosecutorial processes. And that is why we also want to hold them accountable openly. That where have you gotten to with these investigations? Well, you know this issue about, at least you've been you've practiced before, so you understand when I talk about the issue about political parties, governing parties, and their relationship to, to a large extent with the media, where the, the government is not happy about a certain, um, you know, direction of a sense of direction of the media, then they tend to target uh, the media to a large extent. And I know you know what I'm talking about. Really, um, is there any way that we are dealing with political parties also in their relationship with media and journalists in particular when it, it tends that they are, they are unhappy with the direction that the media takes, for instance? Yeah, I'm happy you asked this question. The first part of the coordinated mechanism is about advocacy and education led by the National Media Commission. And it is to explain not just to political parties, but it's to explain to political parties, state actors, uh, sometimes even businesses. In the case of a radio and now, for example, we are told it's a business that was not happy with the coverage of the uh, radio station and, you know, had its assigns. Um, attack uh, the station. So all of society, political parties, um, uh, uh, state actors, non-state actors, businesses, um, understanding clearly that you may not like what somebody says about you. I don't like everything people say about me, but I will defend the person's right to say it because that is uh, the right to free expression which we hold so um, you know uh, highly in this country. So you may not like what somebody says about you, but you do not have a right to attack that person um, you know, because they have said it's there. With Instacart, you can get groceries and more delivered from over 1,000 stores and 75,000 locations. So whether you need a massive haul from a wholesale club, everyday essentials from your go-to supermarket, or specialty items from your favorite local grocer, you can get whatever you need delivered in as fast as an hour. You can even shop for pet supplies, electronics, and sporting goods in just a few clicks. Visit instacart.com to get free delivery on your first three orders. Offer valid for a limited time. $10 minimum per order. Additional terms apply. At Strayer University, we see you striving to work harder and go further. That's why we provide you with the tools you need to get there, like offering a brand new laptop when you enroll in a bachelor's program. So you can do your coursework anytime, anywhere, and always keep striving. Visit strayer.edu to learn more. Eligibility rules, restrictions, and exclusions apply. Connect with us for details. Strayer University is certified to operate in Virginia by CHEV and has many campuses, including at 2121 15th Street North in Arlington, Virginia.
With your choice of select sandwich, nugs, fries, and a drink, Wendy's $5 Biggie Bag is your go-to. Your nugget wingman. Your hot and crispy fry co-pilot. Just like us. We're like the bag boys. What? Bag boys, bag boys. What you gonna do? What you gonna do when we bring your food? <sighs> For a deal you can count on, bet on Biggie and choose wisely. Choose Wendy's. Bag boys, bag boys. U.S. price and participation may vary. Includes choice of JVC or crispy chicken sandwich with four-piece nugs, junior fry, and small soft drink. Third-party delivery pricing may be higher. And that remedies if indeed you feel like your, your, your reputation has been injured. There are the legal remedies that you may um, resort to. And at the same time, part of that advocacy and training also goes to our colleagues who are journalists. For example, if you're a journalist covering a demonstration, how do you clearly identify yourself so that as security persons, even if they are dealing with an unruly crowd, do not consider you um, as one. If you are a journalist in an investigative process, how do you protect yourself? So there's the first part of the coordinated mechanism, which deals with advocacy and training of various actors. And we believe that out. Has a responsibility also, at least in terms of uh, what we do, but really, there are those who say that at least we have a voice in you, in government, because we can identify that you also has been a journalist, and once you are, always will be. Will you say that where we sit and under, knowing that you are the voice in there, uh, the safety of journalists can be guaranteed and will be guaranteed in the future? Would you say that journalists are better off as we speak? We have to do a lot more to ensure that the efforts that we are undertaking bear fruit. Mm. And that is why we continue to advocate. That is why we continue to investigate and condemn anything of this nature that happens. That is why, as a point number three, we are uh, holding the police, uh, the armed forces, and the judicial service accountable for the cases that we have reported to them. And that's where we are now, which is why we... Uh, we're also asking for Parliament's cooperation in this um, enterprise. And all of us have to do that. That X number of cases were reported, uh, sometimes even by the Ministry of Information itself or by you know, media houses to the police. Where have you got into in that investigation? Uh, if we are not satisfied with a kind of punishment, uh, it is fair for us to engage the judicial service and say people cannot be given this very uh, you know, lenient punishment because it doesn't deter enough. So uh, in me, you have a strong um, advocate um, and a voice as a brother in arms who will continue to do my part, and we need everybody else to come on board and to do their part so that we get the results we are looking for. Mm. Well, this week, um, at least on the 16th or so of um, November, we're expecting uh, the Finance Minister, Ken Ophiriata, to present uh, the 2024 budget um, before the House. Um, ahead of it, we've been hearing businesses, amongst others, raising concerns about um, the possibility of new taxes to be introduced, amongst others. But really, let's talk about preparedness for this uh, 2024 budget presentation. What can you tell us about it? I think, first of all, we have to understand that the document you'll be presenting is in two parts. There's the economic policy, and then there's the budget. On the uh, economic policy front, the government's objective is to quickly bring back stability. Inflation went very high up, uh, you know, into the 50s, and through a lot of monetary policy interventions, it is coming down gradually. Uh, cost of living is also very, very, very high, and uh, the government has been working to introduce a number of measures to try and arrest, if not bring down, the um, cost of living. Growth which is important because that's what ensures that the economy is expanding and creating jobs. It's something that was constrained in the last two years or so. Um, I can tell you on authority that the president asked for a growth plan to be prepared, which growth plan was accepted by cabinet and is being infused into the economic policy. And mm -hmm. so you will find some specific growth areas uh, that uh, uh, the government has approved uh, that the limited financing should be made available to these areas so that those areas can expand and create jobs for um, a lot of um, young people. Um, and then, finally, I think, deepening stability. Are you able so, to, to, to let us in a bit more on this growth plan and the specific areas that um, Cabinet approved? Those will be for the Minister responsible for finance to outline, but I can tell you that um, a growth plan... Um, has been approved by cabinet and it will find expression in the economic policy uh, document which will be laid before um, parliament. Um, so the idea is to deepen stability, get the economy growing, uh, to create some more jobs, uh, try and bring down the cost of living and while under specifically inflation 
um, as well. You will see that find expression fully in the economic policy that will be laid before Parliament. Then you come to the fiscals or the budget itself that underpins this economic uh, policy. You will recall that the fiscal framework has already been signed off as part of the um, ECF uh, facility that we signed with the IMF. And so there's a fiscal path that we are on, uh, which is aimed at um, narrowing or reducing our deficit position. I think in the year before, we were at um, um, negative 3.5 or negative 4.5. In this current year, we've been trying to do a negative um, 0.5. And I think in the next year, it's supposed to be a positive 0.5. So that fiscal path has already been approved, and we will be continuing on that um, fiscal path even in the fiscal framework that underpins this year's um, economic um, policy. Mm. Uh, and I guess that's what, um, you know, most Ghanaians uh, should be looking forward to in the uh, budget part of the two-part document that will be presented before Parliament. Well, are we expecting new taxes or there will be reduction in taxes amongst others? What exactly should we expect, you'd say? The Minister for Finance has indicated to Parliament that uh, there are some tax reliefs that he will be continuing with, um, and then there will also be some revenue measures uh, that he will be introducing. He has already indicated that to um, Cabinet, and I think um, uh, Ghanaians should expect details when he delivers the detail of the statement before uh, Parliament. Tax reliefs and revenue measures, but you are unable to let us in on um, what exactly we should expect? New taxes? What exactly? Again, as I mentioned, uh, those details are for the minister uh, responsible for finance. But what he has indicated to um, cabinet is that he will maintain some tax um, reliefs uh, and then he would also introduce some revenue measures as well. But from what you hear, would it make us better off in terms of cost of living? We've talked about issues, growth, jobs, amongst others. But from what you're hearing, the tax reliefs and the revenue measures, it will definitely leave us better off because the businesses are already hoping that they will get some good news. Again, that's a fair question. I think the overall objective is to ensure that um, cost of living, cost of doing business, um, and inflation are mm. contained, and in particular for inflation, um, you are able to bring it down. Therefore, whatever uh, tax reliefs you want to continue with should be designed to achieve this purpose. Mm. And whatever revenue measures you want to introduce should also be such that they do not reverse the overall objective that you are trying to achieve. And that's the balance that uh, the Minister for Finance has to uh, try and achieve when he delivers um, the detail um, yep. impact. Mm. Well, we're, we're hoping uh, for that good news uh, when uh, the finance minister presents that budget. But the, the issue about um, our IMF deal, at least uh, before we went to the IMF, we're here. We had that discussion. Our first tranche in, uh, there's a review underway amongst others. We're expecting the second tranche. From the timeline that we got, we announced that indeed we had missed that first deadline, which was supposed to be on the 1st of November. There's a statement from the ministry um, trying to clarify that amongst others. But really, where are we when it comes to the second tranche of the IMF deal? Yeah, the first review has been concluded, and Ghana was uh, successful in that review. And I think at the end of that review, there was a joint press conference between uh, Ghana's finance minister and then the head of the IMF team mm -hmm. um, that is handling this particular transaction. And a staff-level agreement was signed uh, and announced to undergird um, our pass of the first review. And then it was mentioned that that um, staff level agreement will have to go to the IMF executive board, which board meets in the third week of November to give it approval. And when that approval is given, then the second tranche will be dispersed. Actually, this is the structure for all the tranches. Mm -hmm. um, and I think um, if I read the statement from the Ministry of Finance quite clear, they made the point that once it was quite clear that the uh, executive board uh, meeting is in the third week of November, it will be incorrect for anybody to say that um, there's a timeline that has already been uh, missed. And I think their statement sought to correct that uh, misinformation that was uh, put out there in the public domain. Uh, the understanding is that the IMF executive board will meet in the third week in uh, November. And uh, God willing, if the executive board approves the staff level agreement 
um, which underpinned the first review, then that uh, second tranche displacement will take place. Mm. But the concern, how then do we explain that table um, that we saw in terms of the timelines that were put there? We didn't talk about deadlines, we're talking about the timelines that we saw for November 1. How then do we explain that particular timeline that was there that we saw for November 1? Um, I don't have the text before me of what was in that table. Um, I moderated that press conference, and I recall the point was made that uh, the third week in November was when the IMF executive board uh, was going to meet and take a decision um, on that. I think that what we need to do is to rally around the flag um, and uh, support the exercise to ensure that Ghana gets approval at the executive board uh, meeting. I'm not even too sure that um, um, a debate back home about, you know, uh, a table or the lack of a table um, will really do us any good. It is the third week in November that the board uh, will meet and hopefully approve the staff level agreement. And then on the back of that, Ghana can expect a second tranche. But uh, um, anytime I speak about the IMF, mm. uh, I'm quick to mention that the IMF transaction is not the solution to our problems. The IMF uh, transaction is financing to underpin our PCPEC, which is our program to recover from the economic challenges that we have had. Um, the entire world has had economic challenges. In fact, I was watching a, a speech of the former president, Mahama. Los mejores viajes nacen en la carretera, pero este comenzará en tu mente. ¿Escuchas ese rugido? Sientes la experiencia de poder, la emoción de la libertad. Ya estás preparado para vivir tu nueva aventura. Nueva Ram 1500, hecha para vivir. Ram es una marca registrada de FCA US LLC. Delivered abroad just about um, a week ago, where he explains how the challenges in the global economy affected the Ghanaian economy. Everybody knows that there's been a global economic challenge. It has affected Ghana. And various countries have been developing their various plans. If you go to America, they passed the Inflation Reduction Act aimed at responding to some part of it in addition to their hikes in monetary policy rates. If you go to uh, England, I think it was Liz Trust who introduced the energy price uh, cap guarantee. Um, and without a timeline on it, it uh, you know, sent some shocks into their investor markets, affected currency, and it led to the end of our government um, uh, as well. In Ghana, we introduced the PCPEC, the Post-Crisis Program for Economic Growth. Mm. And we mentioned on the 1st of July 2022 that we needed funding to execute it. So what the IMF is providing is funding, which is executing it. We have to back home, get aggressive with our economic measures so that on the economic policy funds, we can grow the economy, expand it, create jobs for people, bring down cost of living and inflation, and cost of doing business. And then on the fiscal front as well, ensure that we narrow um, the gap between our revenues and our um, expenditures. And has that been done, narrowing that gap? Because we've always said, at least we've heard you say that the IMF transaction, not a solution to that. But are we actually narrowing that gap between uh, revenue and expenditures on our own, especially when we're going to an election year and the issue about fiscal discipline comes up? Yeah, yeah. So first we have to look at the data. The year before, as I mentioned, was about negative 3.5 or negative 4.5. This year, we're trying to bring it down to um, negative 0.5. And then next year, 2024, trying to take it to a positive 0.5. That's the fiscal path on which we are. That's mm. the narrowing that we are talking mm. about to succeed at that. The data already suggests uh, that we are doing well at that, and we need to keep um, uh, at it. Next year is an election year. Yeah. The theory has been, or the expectation has been, that during an election year, governments try to spend their way uh, to make the public happy so that they can win uh, the election. But I think already... Um, I can tell you on authority that what cabinet has decided that the best approach is to ensure that stability is deepened, not necessarily uh, to uh, go for a fiscal expansionary, uh, you know, module, mm. but is to ensure that stability is maintained and that the cost of living and inflation uh, are contained. Mm. That is the best gift that you can give to the people of Ghana in the midst of a global economic challenge like this, as against going 
uh, on a fiscal expansionary path. And that's what cabinet has approved. That's what we expect to find expression in the fiscal framework uh, part of the documents that the finance minister will put before parliament. Mm. Well, one would have thought that uh, would have heard from the IMF. I know you say it doesn't really, it's not really the solution to it, but uh, one would have thought that at least a second tranche would have come in before the presentation of the 2024 budget. I'm sure that does not matter from where you sit, but really, what's the status of our engagement with the official credit committee um, of the Paris Club? Do we know what exactly the status is whilst we wait for the third week of November for that big announcement? Um, the engagements that we had with them um, in the UK were quite cordial mm. um, and we are expecting that we will be able to get to some sort of um, understanding uh, with them uh, before the end of um, this year. We are not required to um, complete an external debt exchange program okay. uh, before the next tranche or so, but we are expected to demonstrate progress. And uh, we have reason to believe that that progress uh, is being um, demonstrated in our engagements that are uh, ongoing um, with them. And no, it was not our expectation that the second tranche would be discussed before the reading of the budget. As we have been, uh, you know, uh, quite clear from that press conference, the board itself will meet, I think, in the third week of uh, November. And until the board meets, you can't expect that there will be even approval and without approval, even disbursement. So I think we have to declare Okay. From the and are we hoping that when the board meets the third week of November, we're getting that approval that we're waiting for? Um, so far on this journey, uh, there have been those who have, you know, always expressed the view that Ghana can't do it. And I think the government negotiating team has always been optimistic. We remain optimistic. Mm. And our external debt restructuring negotiations, maybe an update on that as well. As I mentioned, um, it's cordial, okay. and we are demonstrating that progress to the fund. We are not expected to uh, complete it before the end of this year. We are expected to demonstrate progress in the various categories, mm-hmm. and uh, optimistic that it will end well. Really, when we talk about this, uh, for the ordinary person, they just want to know the $600 million that we got the first time. What did he actually go into? $600 million, let me take uh, your viewers and your listeners back. We said, um, initially, what we said was that we needed balance of payment support, which was essentially going to go to the central bank to show up a currency. Eventually, when we concluded the negotiation, it was for balance of payment, yes, and also for uh, uh, budget support. And so you find that uh, a part of that $600 million came to support the 2023 uh, budget execution uh, especially on the uh, expenditure side. Because, you know, what happened, and sometimes when you talk about the impact of COVID um, on the economy, people want to wish away that, oh, you're making excuses, you are, you are making excuses. When an economy is shut down or um, is slowed down, productivity slows down, government revenue is a byproduct of productivity. So when an economy slows down, like the Ghanaian economy, which was doing average of 7% in the first three years. When it slows down to about 0.9% in the year 2020, and about, what is it, 1.5% in the year 2020, mm. um, and struggling in 2022, the effect is that government revenues will also take a dip. In other parts of the world, when they realized that, what they did was that they followed government workers. So if you're a federal worker, you don't get 100% of your salary. You get a percentage of your salary. In Ghana, the decision we took was that no government worker will experience a fellowing of their salary. So even for, let's say, teachers who, um, you know, had to stay home um, when public schools were closed, they got paid. Uh, Public sector workers who were, uh, you know, doing a job rotation exercise, they all got paid. In addition to that, Government expenditure was expanded, um, you know, by paying for water, electricity, uh, healthcare for other people. So by the time you were done, um, you had a huge debt burden, which then led you into some of the challenges that um, we have had. But the revenue is still now gradually uh, getting back on track as compared to where it should have been by now. Mm. I think that's great. It's not to say that nominally revenue is tanked, but as compared to where it should have been by now, uh, you know, comparing it with our expenditure caps, um, the revenue is yet to get to where it ought to have been uh, okay. by now. Mm-hmm. And 
Um, once that is happening, you need to shore it up with some external resources. Remember, we tried e-levy as a domestic resource channel. It was highly bastardized. We didn't get the revenues that we were looking for. So uh, a part of this external funding goes to shore up the gap in revenue that um, exists now, even as you try to get back um, onto the revenue path. Mm. Well, we'll close the, the discussion on, on the economy briefly on this. We can go on to other issues. But uh, the issue about Cocoa Board also tops, comes up uh, when it, we, we are talking about the economy because uh, when, I, I remember uh, from Pidiasi when you announced that syndicated loan for uh, Cocoa Board amongst others. But we're hearing now that it appears that Cocoa Board is in dire straits such that they are unable to pay the farmers and they're actually borrowing from the traders what exactly is the situation with Cocoa Board? Are they that broke? So um, Cocoa Board uh, has not had, for the longest time I can remember, has not had its own resources to buy Cocoa. What happens is that Cocoa Board um, takes a syndicated loan mm-hmm. and then um, based on that syndicated loan, which is based on a forward contract of the pricing, they then pass on money to the LBCs, which go to the farm gates to buy the cocoa. This has been the structure from time immemorial. And the fact that Cocoa Board has been doing syndicated loans has not uh, been because you know, Cocoa Board is so broke that it's been doing syndicated loans. This is what Cocoa Board has been doing. Um, and anybody who is you know, being fair to the facts over the years, this is what Cocoa Board does. Now, this year, Cocoa Board has yet to go to the market. The Agric Minister makes me understand. In fact, he explained to um, Cabinet that they are preparing to now go to the market. But this year, they want to do what they call blended finance. If they go to the market, because of where Ghana's um, credit ratings are, if they go to the market for, let's say, a billion dollars, it comes at a particular rate. And because of our credit rating, that rate is higher. So can they find another source of funding, which is cheaper, to blend with what they will borrow on the market so that in the end, the composite debt servicing is not as high as if they had just gone on the market alone. And so they are here to go to the market for um, the syndicated loan. That's the brief that the great minister has given to uh, cabinet. But they've also succeeded in arranging with um, the LBC, some of the LBCs, to provide the trade financing component of it so that if they have to uh, 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 provide a billion dollars. Maybe what they are going to do now is to take 600 from the market, which is now at a high interest rate because of our credit rating, and then 400 trade financing from the same LBCs that um, they have been uh, working with. It is this blended finance which I think has been reported in some of the um, news portals that they are so broke that they are taking money from the traders. Um, LBCs. But I do expect that when that great minister appears on the floor of parliament um, requesting for parliamentary approval for the syndicated loan in um, collaboration with the finance minister, I do expect that they'll speak to all of these issues in detail. Mm. Well, there are those who have the view that um, Cocoa Board then ought to be taken out of the mix so that farmers can deal directly uh, with a bias amongst others. Are you one of those who would subscribe to that or you feel that is not where we ought to go in terms of direction? To be honest, I haven't exercised my mind properly to that uh, proposal. Maybe Mm. um, we need to think about it uh, some more. But from the government point of view, my understanding is that the syndicated approach through Cocoa Board is what uh, they are currently using. And what it does is that it guarantees a certain price for Cocoa Farmers, a certain uniform price for Cocoa Farmers across the country. And you'll see recently uh, when that approach was used, Cocoa Farmers are pretty happy at... um, and the kind of margins that um, they are getting. Okay. We'll take a quick break here on the probe. My guest is the Information Minister, Kujo Ponkuma, joining us via Zoom. We'll return with a lot more issues uh, briefly before we wrap up. Issues about the La General Hospital with to deal with issues on health, uh, renal patients also coming up, issues about dialysis, and then the Akosombo Dam spillage. We've been hearing from uh, residents giving government a 14-day ultimatum to at least give them a resettlement plan, amongst others. That's right back after the break. We'll, we'll get talking. Please do stay with us.
Joel Nete, and I bring you greetings from the Old Hashimoto's Association, of which I'm the president. I'm inviting you to Achimoto Speaks, which is a platform created by the Old Hashimoto's Association, but indeed a platform where all Ghanaians living everywhere can have a conversation around the most critical things that matter to us as a people. The next Achimoto Speaks event, which holds on Thursday, the 16th of November, at the British Council Hall. It's under the theme, Ghana, a country in crisis, defining a new economic direction. Our keynote speaker is Professor Yaonyaku of the New York University. Professor Nyaku is a distinguished economist and brings to this conversation both an international and of course locally relevant perspective. On the panel with him will be Pishigulana Alassan Andani, the former CEO of Stambik Bank. We also have Mr. Kofifen of Petro Trust, and we also have Mr. Frank Edu, a former CEO of Cowbank. This conversation will be moderated by Accra Belamundi. Escuchas ese rugido? Sientes la experiencia de poder? La emoción de la libertad? Ya estás preparado para vivir tu nueva aventura. Nueva Ram 1500, hecha para vivir. Ram es una marca registrada de FCA US LLC. We are poised to have a very serious conversation. Not just about our past, and indeed not about our current situation as a country, but maybe even more importantly, where we need to be going into the future if we want to change our fortunes. Like I said, this is a platform that invites all Ghanaians who care about Ghana. So regardless of what school you went to, regardless of where you are in the economy, please come, let's have this conversation. It's at the British Council Hall on Thursday, the 16th of November, and it starts at 6 p.m. sharp. So please come at 5 o'clock, come meet, come greet, come network, and let's start this conversation at 6 p.m. sharp. I look forward to seeing you there. Thanks for staying with us here on the probe. We are live on the Joy News channel on Joy 99.7 FM, affiliates across Ghana's 16 regions. We are on DSTV channel 421, Go TV 125, myjoyonline.com, and all social media platforms. My guest is the Information Minister, Kojo Oponkroma. And um, we've been talking about um, the economy, especially also about the media, which is very, very important. Um, now, thank you so much uh, for staying with us, Mr. Oponkroma. So let's um, head into issues about health and um, these issues have come up this week or last week i should say especially the la general hospital it was a heated argument in parliament uh, especially we'll be hearing from residents also who say that if government will not uh, you know take up what they started then they would actually take it into their own hands and complete it what exactly is the issue when it comes to the la general hospital why did we tear it down when we're not ready to build i think the health minister spoke to it in Parliament, and he explained that um, 
they expected to commence construction after they had uh, torn it down. And it was torn down because of the structural challenges that had been reported to them. But after it was torn down, according to his uh, statement in Parliament, they had financial challenges because of the general financial challenges that uh, we've been having. And like he explained to Parliament, they've been trying to work uh, around it. If I heard him well in Parliament again, uh, he explained that they've been able to secure uh, some financial arrangement for it, and that in about a week or two, he can provide some more details uh, on it. And then um, I think the Honorable Katie Hammond, who is part of a group that the President put together to deal with the matter, also explained in Parliament that um, the commitment of um, the government to completing that process uh, remains, and that um, the group that the President put together to work on it uh, will continue to do their best to ensure that that project sees um, the light uh, of the These statements were made on the floor of Parliament uh, and before the parliamentary press call, and um, I think we all followed it. What we all look forward to is that, uh, indeed, work will commence as quickly as possible so that the people of La um, can benefit from what was intended for them. But is government really concerned about the situation? I was hoping you'd tell us more than what we heard in public as well. Is government really concerned? With your choice of select sandwich, nugs, fries, and a drink, Wendy's $5 Biggie Bag is your go-to. Your nugget wingman. Your hot and crispy fried co-pilot. Just like us. We're like the bag boys. What? Bag boys, bag boys. What you gonna do? What you gonna do when we bring your food? <sighs> For a deal you can count on, bet on Biggie and choose wisely. Choose Wendy's. Bag boys, bag boys. U.S. price of participation may vary. Includes choice of TBC or crispy chicken sandwich with four-piece nugs, junior fry, and small soft drink. Third-party delivery pricing may be higher. About the situation. What I can tell you is that the president has literally been um, asking about it almost every time we go to cabinet and asking for an update on the new financial arrangements that um, are being put in place. Um, some options were made available. Some of the parts of those options were questioned. Um, and the committee or the group that the president put together working on it is the one that has been speaking to it and explaining that they have some clarity. They need about a week and then they can update the country on how um, they are going forward with it. Mm. Well, what they didn't give us is any timeline, but we're hoping that we'll get some timelines as to whether, as to when exactly um, this um, La General Hospital will be built, but it doesn't look like we're able to get that timeline, can we? I think um, the closest we have is the commitment from the health minister that in about a week they can outline the details of what they've been able to put together. I suspect mm. that at that time we can hold uh, them firmly to a timeline and then we'll have clarity on it. I'm sure one other issue that uh, the president will be very interested in because one of such announcements was made right here uh, on the show when uh, during COVID period when he announced the Agenda 111, 111 hospitals um, to be built and then also some um, five regional hospitals also in the new regions. Really, um, we're hoping that would have been completed by the end of 2024 before the president, the end of President Okofado's tenure. There were some updates that were giving, at least I hosted the presidential uh, advisor on health, uh, Dr. Anthony Siasari, on this. But at the last count, where exactly are we um, with Agenda 111? How many hospitals really are we hoping to be completed by the end of this year, I was told? What number did he give you? Tell me. I was giving <laughs> about 89 or so at that time. I, 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 I don't have new numbers beyond what uh, Dr. Siasari told you. Um, you know, like I keep saying, our job is to assist the ministries, departments, and agencies to put out their information. And for Agenda 101, for example, we've traveled across the country with them, uh, showcasing to the country the progress of work. A good number of them are even beyond the roofing stage. Mm. Uh, in my constituency, for example, we are beyond the, or we are at the roofing stage. And as we've traveled across the country, um, there's roofing going on in many places. And anytime we do these uh, visits, we broadcast it live on television and the uh, a hospital working group that is handling the project gives an update of the numbers. So beyond the numbers that Dr. Nsiasari gave you, I don't have a number <laughs> timeline. Um, we expect the next one, I think, to take place in Garu, uh, maybe in about a month or so. So maybe by that time I can get you the, um, the latest numbers. But suffice to say that um, they have informed us uh, that they expect to have some completed and commissioned next year.
Okay. Well, let's uh, head to the issue about the spillage. We have uh, some more time that we can um, quickly um, take some views on that. We've been hearing the updates in Parliament, the VRA and then also the Energy Minister giving us updates on why the need for this particular spillage. But the concern for the residents, really, issues about education, health, their livelihoods, everything affected. And they are hoping that they can get some a form of resettlement plan, at least from government. There was a committee that was set up. What's really the update on that? The brief that the interministerial committee has received essentially is that the first... Okay, so the entire exercise was grouped into three. Mm-hmm. The first part of the exercise was to ensure that people who had been displaced were given temporary shelters and were supported at these temporary shelters. And the brief we have is that that has gone on smoothly and has also received massive compliment from the general public, you know, who've also been participating through a lot of mobilization from your colleagues in the media. And at the GJ Awards, we were uh, very commending of what um, our colleagues in the media and the general public have done. So the brief we have is that that has gone well. Mm. The second part is that in places where the waters have receded, people are being assisted to resettle back in their uh, homes. That is where... I think effort is now in resettling uh, people in places where waters have um, receded. When that is done, then there will be the third level of helping people to come uh, back to their economic livelihoods. A lot of people have their economic livelihoods have been destroyed as a result of um, these floods, but we are not there yet. I think we are now in the second stage where uh, NADMO and VRA and the local authorities are going through a process of helping people to resettle in places where the water levels have uh, we see that it will take a while and we have to keep an eye on it. Um, uh, the conversation is that if there are people who cannot be resettled in their specific homes, because maybe, I mean, if you take Bakpa, for example, mm-hmm. old Bakpa, we are told, was overtaken by waters that never receded. And that's why they had to move to new Bakpa. If you have a scenario like that, then there will be the need to do some resettlement um, work around that. But if um, you have places where this is just an extraordinary incident that is not expected to um, repeat itself in the short term. Then they'll be assisted um, to resettle. That is the phase where uh, we are now. But to the extent that the people seem to have been left in the dark in terms of where exactly we are with plans, so that's the concern for them. For which reason they held a press conference giving government a two-week ultimatum to at least enlighten them on what exactly the plan is. So do we have any plans to at least engage the people and let them know what exactly will happen? I think that what we would have to deepen is the engagement uh, between the local authorities that are handling. Remember, this is in a number of regions from Mm -hmm. the northern part of the country way down to um, the southern part. And though at the national level there may be um, a national press conference every two days like um, happens, at the local level there is the need to also get the local authorities to explain to the people affected what the next steps are. And I think that's the feedback that we have to deepen, Mm. you know, Okay. Well, so uh, these are um, some of the key issues um, that at least uh, the questions that I've seen also on social media amongst others that have come in in terms of wanting. But where have you been exactly is a concern that I've seen from some uh, that it's, it's actually been a minute. Where exactly have you been? We haven't heard from you in a while is most of the questions that I'm seeing. You were just telling me about, uh, uh, you know, hearing all that we've been doing at the Ministry of Information the last week and the last two weeks uh, gone by. Uh, We continue um, to uh, deliver on the ministry's mandate and to support the uh, other ministries to, uh, you know, push out their communication as well. I don't know if you've seen, um, right after, I think it was last two weeks that you held, it was just last week that uh, the NPP held that presidential primaries and Dr. Baumia uh, was elected uh, flag bearer. At least I've seen the campaigning when he came to Ofwasi amongst others. I don't know. I'm sure you were supporting the vice president, weren't you? Just to yes, start I, with. Yes, I was. We got about, uh, about 73% uh, uh, in Ofwasi and in many other places as well. And um, I think the other candidates also got some good numbers in other parts of the country. But that's the beauty of the MPP. We don't impose candidates. We have open contests, and then we're able to choose a leader. And we were excited to see uh, the two frontrunners come together 
and talk about the fact that the showdown is now coming on with the NBC. <laughs> well, I ask that also because I've seen some newspapers and issues about running mates coming up, and I've seen your picture uh, also in uh -huh. there. I'm sure you've heard uh, that at least uh, when it comes to the names for running mates, um, your name has come up. Have you been approached already? Listen, I think that the most important thing we need to do now is to give the uh, flag bearer of the party the room to work towards unity. It's very important. And then after that, he will be the best place to determine uh, who we can work with um, uh, in the capacity of um, a vice presidential candidate. And I think that all of these efforts, you know, to push names here and there should be discouraged. Let's give him the support and the focus so that uh, he's able to unite the party. Um, if you look at the numbers, um, you know, in the election, there were different views. It's important to now try and rally. And in an election process like this, some people get offended because of how campaigns go. What we need to do is to support the flag bearer to unite and move us forward. It's all Pankuma. We're grateful. We'll leave it here, and uh, we hope to see you soon. Thank you so much uh, for joining us tonight here on The Probe. That's the Information Minister, Koju Oponkroma. Another edition of The Probe comes your way same time here on the Join News Channel. For our radio audience, A Walk of Jesus is up next. There's more when you log on to myjournalline.com. On behalf of the entire team, I say many thanks for being a part of The Probe. I am MFA. Los mejores viajes nacen en la carretera. Pero este comenzará en tu mente. ¿Escuchas ese rugido? ¿Sientes la experiencia de poder? ¿La emoción de la libertad? Ya estás preparado para vivir tu nueva aventura. Nueva Ram 1500, hecha para vivir. Ram es una marca registrada de FCA US LLC.